What's happening? We'll tell you right now on This Week in Cannabis News. David Wiley from the OZ joins me as usual on This Week in Cannabis News. Check them out online at okanaganz.com. Also follow them on Twitter at OkanaganZ and at WileyWriter. And uh, the new website looks beautiful, uh, just gorgeous shots and great information. And I'd imagine uh, the colors in real life in the uh, uh, the life where uh, sunshine never ends, as I hear people call it, is like right now. It's it's beautiful. We're starting to see the clouds come in. It's a little rainy, but it's uh, harvest season in so many ways here in the Okanagan. They're starting to bring in the apples. We've got wine that's being made from this year's vintages. It's uh, it's it's an awesome place to be. Oh, that is excellent. And uh, we're getting some nice hot weather here. So uh, extending uh, the outdoor time you can have in fall. And the first story that we're going to start with, David, is is kind of, uh, well, in your backyard in BC. And, and this is a really encouraging story because, you know, not that we're always trying to say, cannabis uh, should be equal to alcohol but just cannabis should be on equal footing with other industries and there's a new program being launched uh, that is going to kind of put cannabis producers towards that same level playing field in my opinion i think so too we're going to see some big changes coming to the cannabis industry uh our bc government here says that uh, in 2022 we're going to start seeing cannabis producers having greater access to local retailers. And the really exciting is that we're going to see a direct delivery and farm gate sales program. Now, we saw something like this that was announced earlier this year up in Williams Lake, BC, which um, was a bit of a surprise, a big surprise even to a lot of people who are following the industry because the rules just aren't in place to have a farm to gate kind of cannabis operation. Um, but there was one announced, and it did involve the uh, the provincial government in that announcement, too. So now we're seeing a greater framework being announced. Um, the province says that it's currently developing the laws that are going to bring about that change. But what we're going to see is Health Canada licensed small-scale producers, as includes nurseries, that will be able to deliver cannabis directly to licensed retailers. And uh, also with that farm-to-gate side of things, too, this is something that the uh, a lot of different people, especially the, the smaller growers, uh, have been lobbying the government for. They want to especially be able to to choose which retailers they want to bring their products to and who they want to deal with. And we're seeing a little bit of pushback to that whole, we're just going to send our product off to uh, the, the, the big corporate headquarters of BC Cannabis, and then it's going to get distributed to wherever they put it. Those people who are especially coming over from the illicit market into the legal market just don't want to do business that way. They want to have a one-on-one relationship with the retailers, and they want to pick and choose who's going to basically be a champion to the customer when it comes to their products. Uh, As far as the farm I call it farm to table because that's really what we call it here in BC. You bring farm to table. You get to know your farmer. When it comes to that side of things, that is just going to be amazing for cannabis consumers and aficionados who want to go and see the plants being grown, who want to meet the people behind the industry. 
And it's just, it's, it's exciting. You can probably hear it in my voice. I'm, I'm really amped up to see what this is going to develop into, especially in such a big tourism province like we have here in BC. Well, that's just it. It opens up uh, cannabis tourism. And, and I hope this is something that starts to happen in Alberta here. We're starting to see a lot of producers in Alberta. And uh, I, I think it's just wonderful um, to be able to go to uh, a producer and and actually buy something that you know not the you're not you're not buying and no different than you're not, you're not taking a grape off of a plant and taking it uh, home from a a winery but you can buy a bottle of wine and this is a situation you can go you can see you know as much as they want to show you uh, how it works as much as you can see as much as allowed by uh, because you do have to be very careful uh, when it comes to cannabis, when it comes to contamination and such. But I just love the fact that you'll be able to go, and, and it's such a good thing for cannabis tourism. I hope this happens uh, across the country. So I'm really, really uh, excited about that. And and also, uh, I'm excited a- about uh, an- another commitment uh, when it comes to Indigenous communities and cannabis, also announced in this. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that they've announced here is that the BC cannabis stores are going to highlight products that are actually produced by BC Indigenous producers through uh, basically shelves on the store that uh, that point people toward the different products that are being grown by Indigenous communities. And it's it's great to see the inclusiveness here in BC, and may that be a roadmap for the rest of Canada. A hundred percent. So good news all around. Um, The uh, availability of the product, and I really like the idea of producers uh, creating a relationship uh, with certain stores. So good news all around uh, coming forward uh, when it comes to BC Cannabis. And uh, I especially love the spotlight on uh, Indigenous business and Indigenous producers because, uh, listen, I am starting to hear a lot more good news uh, coming from the Indigenous community in that this is something that is going to create jobs and uh, create a, 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 an awareness and an identity for, mm-hmm. for different uh, different cultures. So I'm really excited about the potential of this. And, and so there's some of that brewing. I've been contacted by some, some different people. So it's something that we're going to explore a little bit more in the future on this show. Uh, okay, let's uh, chat quickly about this uh, poll uh, when it comes to cannabis in the U.S. So we're narrowing in on November and what's going to happen in the election. And as we ramp up, I wonder how big, if an issue at all, cannabis is going to be moving forward. I mean, there's so many other things that they are dealing with as they ramp up to this election. But there is good news if you are in favor of legalization in the U.S. Support for cannabis is on both sides of the political spectrum. That's the bottom line here. We've got a a poll that was done uh, that shows that over 50% of Republicans are now in support of Senator Kamala Harris's proposed uh, Marijuana Opportunity Reinvestment and Expungement Act. So it's not just Democratic support behind this thing. Um, This is a poll of about 1,200 voters, and it took place in early May, so uh, it was still a while back, and there's been even more coverage of this act uh, since then. So and chances are that that support may have even increased. And it basically suggests that the majority of Americans, of 69% of total, 
um, no matter what their political affiliation are, supports the legalization of cannabis. And uh, so that's 69 percent, sorry, 69 percent of Democratic respondents and 54 percent of Republicans. So this was a poll that was conducted by the nonprofit think tank Data for Progress. And there's a little bit of delay on this MORE Act. So uh, we were supposed to see a vote on it uh, this week. And that's now been delayed for some time later this year. And the reason that has been given is that basically um, they want to put more time and more energy into COVID-19 responses. So this has been pushed back. Read into that what you will. I'm of the opinion that that's actually a good thing. That tells me that there's support for this bill, that no one seems to be overly worried about it, and they just want to deal with what's at hand. Now, the bad part of that is the fact that there's still a lot of inequality. We have a lot of people who are in prison and who are having their lives ruined over small cannabis convictions because of those very harsh laws in the U.S. Um, Now, this MORE Act would decriminalize cannabis at the federal level and remove it from the Controlled Substances Act. It would also expunge the records of those with prior convictions, and that would be small-scale cannabis convictions. Uh, It would also impose a federal 5% tax on sales, and that cannabis revenue would be reinvested into communities who are most impacted by the war on drugs. So that's basically minority communities. Um, This is really exciting legislation, and uh, I, for one, am very hopeful that we're going to start seeing some changes in the U.S. sooner rather than later that are really going to help people who have been affected by just the unfairness happening across the border. Yeah, no doubt. And, And, you know, come November, there could be close to 40 states who uh, legalized. I think there's five more on the uh, the ballot right now. And, you know, legalization in the states uh, is getting positive reviews by Americans. So it's no, it's, I, I, I can see this is maybe one issue where actually both sides are going to agree that, you know, this is not only good, you know, wh- whether they're looking at it as good for the economy or looking at it as good for society. The, the point is they're both looking at it as a good thing moving forward. Cannabis brings people together. Here we are. Yes, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, okay, now uh, switching back to Canada and uh, going from state to province, we're focusing on my home province, the Keystone province of Manitoba. And it's interesting, you know, we, you and I talked about uh, Jesse Lavoie, and uh, I had him on my show recently, and this uh, constitutional challenge that he has going forward to let Manitobans grow because they're not allowed to grow their four plants. So in, in some ways, Manitoba is, uh, you know, kind of stuck behind everybody else. In other ways, they're f- more forward than other people. I mean, they have a delivery system where they deliver from store to home. It's called Pineapple Express. And now they're talking about uh, adding uh, even more uh, to the cannabis industry when it comes to restaurants. So what do you think of this story? I think it's fascinating. Manitoba seems to have a bit of a cannabis identity crisis. Like you said, Mm -hmm. on the one hand, it's the only jurisdiction in Canada that's banned home growing. Then on the other hand, it starts making decisions like this. Basically, Manitoba now looking at providing licensing that would allow businesses like restaurants and spas offer cannabis products. 
And so right now what's happening is the Liquor, Gaming, and Cannabis Authority of Manitoba is launching a bunch of different campaigns geared at gauging the interests of businesses and consumers in expanding the availability of these types of products. And as part of that initiative, they'll be working with Leger, which is a market research and analytics firm, to survey people about what that would look like. And there's a little bit of hot and a little bit of cold from what Global News has done in its footwork. It's found that restaurants generally are very interested in this, especially in the time of COVID-19. There's been a big hit that restaurateurs have taken. People haven't really been able to go to a restaurant like they have before. And this might open up uh, exciting new opportunities. People want to come in and see about, you know, having a cannabis drink maybe with their meal. Uh, On the other hand, other types of businesses are maybe a little bit cooler to the idea. And the executive director of the Massage Therapy Association of Manitoba basically says that these kinds of products are outside of the scope of the association members' practices and you know they're not quite sure how this might affect their liability insurance. So it's uh, in a very important stage right now of fact-finding and opinion-getting, and we'll see what they come back to. I've been wondering about this myself personally. I picked up uh, recently a cream for sore muscles that has mm-hmm. THC in it. I picked up a bath oil um, that creates some pretty nice bubbles and has a nice minty smell. It also has THC in it. And the retailers who are selling these products generally are saying that these types of cannabis products aren't selling. People aren't looking for them. They're coming in and not really interested. But if you opened up the market so that health products that can contain CBD or THC can be sold in other types of places, not necessarily you know your retail store just down the street, where people are often going and looking for flour, vapes, those sorts of things. If you can put them into spas or into salons, you have hair care products, um, you know, put a CBD bath product into Lush, something along those lines, then you're actually hitting the right market. So I think that what Manitoba is doing right now is really developing a potential framework where different types of cannabis products can be sold a lot more successfully. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good point. Uh, you know, you might not be able to give a massage with this uh, a specific cream, but maybe that massage therapist, if they have an interest in cannabis, uh, is able to sell it and recommend it uh, for people in, in home use or something. So opening up those avenues is really important. Okay, let's continue this uh, little uh, international tour. We've crossed the border, jumped back, and now we're going across the pond to talk about medical cannabis and the London stock market. Uh, tell us about this story, David. Yeah, it's a little bit of an interesting development over in the UK. They did uh, legalize medicinal cannabis two years ago, um, but there's there's no way to trade on the stock market. The UK financial watchdog now has actually set out rules for cannabis companies who are seeking to list on the London stock market. Uh, it won't include recreational um, cannabis producers, but uh, and you know the other thing that they're doing is that they're keeping companies that are outside of the UK off the listings too, and there's kind of an interesting reason for that. Basically, they have a uh, like a proceeds of crime law right now that tends to block it, and even companies that are outside of the UK 
would be kept out. And that would include Canada, where we have companies who are you know, selling very legally, of course, in both the recreational and the medicinal space. Um, but they wouldn't be able to list because of this act. Basically, it's a little bit of red tape. Uh, but the the plus side of this story is that we're starting to see in the global market in a few different countries now a loosening of laws and an opportunity for businesses, for consumers um, to start to look and experiment to get more information. So this is just another step in the big old global world on normalization of cannabis. Well, that's good news there. And and I think even better news as we uh, hop on the uh, Cannabis 101 jet and uh, head off to Hong Kong, <laughs> uh, you know, Hong Kong, maybe people didn't realize is a burgeoning CBD market right now. Boy, oh boy. You know, a company in Hong Kong is really pushing the boundaries. And I had no idea that that Hong Kong is actually one of Asia's most progressive mm-hmm. cannabinoid markets. Uh, and who would have expected it? I look at some of the images coming off the news these days, and you know, the last thing that I would expect to see over there is a CBD cafe. Um, but lo and behold, there is a CBD cafe called Bound, and it's the city's first to offer coffee, biscuits, beer, juices. They all contain CBD. Now, none of the products in there contain THC, which is uh, highly outlawed, but CBD seems to be okay. It sort of flies under the radar. Um, so, so if you go into town, you know, a bottle of cold CBD-infused coffee will set you back about 80 Hong Kong dollars, so that's $10 at town. And, you know, you go, go in there and get a CBD beer for $9. And uh, it had a soft opening this month. It's expected to be fully operational in October. It, these are the kinds of businesses that are really going to open up the market and let consumers see that cannabis is not what they may have thought it was. Yeah, this is so awesome. I just don't understand how beer is, uh, uh, coffee is more expensive than beer. Uh, I, 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 can't, <laughs> I can't get my head around that, but this is such good news, and it is a total surprise. I was really shocked and surprised and pleasantly surprised uh, when I found that out. So it, it's nice, and you know what? It's a first step, and you know, Uh, We'll see if it progresses beyond CBD, but even if that's where it's at, at least uh, people are getting the benefit of um, of the plant in uh, in some way. So good news, uh, good way to finish with some uh, good news, David. As usual, you can check things out at OkanaganZ.com. Make sure you sign up and uh, get your news delivered every Friday, and check out the uh, website every single day to get updated with your cannabis news and follow them on Twitter at Okanagan Z and at Wiley writer. Enjoy the sunshine and the fall. David we will talk next week. Great to hang out with you, man.